Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Laws and Grace. I'm Laws. I'm Grace. And today we're here with LJ. Music, intro music. (laughs) Okay, thanks for joining us today, LJ. LJ is a creative director. She has lived kind of all over the U.S., um, or at least a few places in very different places, and super creative. Um, She started as a copywriter, which I relate to, so that's why I'm mentioning it, because copywriters are awesome, (laughs) and all-around fun person who knows how to throw good parties and have a good time. (laughs) Very kind of you, Lauren. (laughs) Anything else you want to (laughs) add? uh no I think that's it like yeah she's also going to see Lizzo tonight so that's exciting we're gonna go have a good cry it's gonna be great (laughs) yeah let's talk how do you feel about going to a concert by yourself like I've never done it before but like I said going to Lizzo by yourself feels like the most empowering thing I could do right now yeah it does where is your seat at uh, I'm in the pit. I got a really cheap ticket yes. stuff up for 60 bucks. And I was like, screw it. We're doing it. Nice. Yes. You'll make friends. Well, we're going to make friends. My life right now is just chasing little bits of serotonin. Like on my desk, I've created like a serotonin ca- corner. Like I put on a jacket last night. I was like, this is boosting my serotonin levels. Like everything I'm doing right now is in pursuit of serotonin. And it's been really, really fun. Uh, that's amazing. So wait, you said serotonin calendar corner. It's a corner. little corner on my desk. It has like a lava lamp. It has a plant. It has a unicorn. It has my favorite candle that I can't light at work, but I can smell it. Nice. Uh, what else is in that corner? There's a napkin from the new, um, Martha Stewart restaurant in Vegas that someone gave to me that I love. Okay. Just like little things that make me happy. I have a pet moss ball in the corner named yes. Mookie Balls after my favorite Dodger player, Mocky Ball, <laughs> or um, Mookie Betts. So like, we're just creating little serotonin corners everywhere we go. I love that. And I gotta just, I gotta drop this brag anytime I can, but I did see Lizzo, uh, oh gosh, time has no meaning anymore. But it was like right before she blew up. Like, so oh. like she was already popular, but it was before she was gonna be playing, you know, arenas or whatever front row such a good show or like you know up against the stage it was like uh you know just one of those standing only venues smaller venues so you're gonna love being in the pit because yeah just like oh no don't do this I hate when people do this but elbow your way up there (laughs) just fight it be like you don't know what my year has been like I deserve this yeah seriously you could have a sign that says trust me (laughs) I've been through more than most of you (laughs) Yes. Which I suppose is a segue into (laughs) what we're doing Uh, here. Yeah. So you have uh, spent some time dealing with grief this year. And yeah, we don't necessarily need to get into the details of it all. But uh, I think talking about grief is so um, beneficial because we all experience it in one way or another. Like there's different things and times and reasons we grieve or in reasons we grieve people and so uh yeah I'm sounds weird to say this but I'm excited to talk about grief we talked about it a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago but I'm excited to talk about it again because I'm it feels like 
one of the most relatable things and yet something none of us really know how to talk about. Well, exactly. I, um, there's this new podcast, um, Anderson Cooper's doing a podcast exploring his grief as he's going, his mother passed away as he's going through his mom's apartment. And on the very first episode, he said something like he was compelled to make this and Anderson Cooper, I don't know if you guys know this. He has had a very, um, tragic life. He lost his dad when he was 10. His brother died by suicide when he was 22 his mom passed away. Like there's just, we were joking. He has like the bingo card of grief. Yeah. Um, his caretaker growing up died by Alzheimer's, which is a horrible way. Anyway, <laughs> the way he launches this podcast is saying like grief is one of the loneliest feelings you can feel, but it's also the most universal feeling because we all go through it, but we don't talk about it. And that, um, in my year of, well, it's really been four months and since the, like the deep grief has set in. But in, I've had a year of grieving and, it, and it, no one knows how to talk about it. And there's lots of appropriate and inappropriate responses that I've dealt with. Um, and I've, it's just kind of this absurd thing that we all deal with, but no one knows how to deal with it. So, I mean, I guess I should set up why I'm here, why I'm qualified to talk about grief. Um, uh, my partner, my boyfriend, my soon to be fiance, um, died by suicide at the end of, um, the end of June of this year. His name is Alex. Um, I miss him dearly. And, um, it has been a journey going from that and kind of dealing with the, losing him and the immediacy of, um, the shock you go into, especially by suicide, there's just a lot of, um, it's a whole different grieving process than anything else I've experienced. Um, but going through that and I, I'm kind of at the four month mark, um, I'm at the four month mark and to see how my grief has shifted and where I'm at now, I'm really like, um, coming out of that deep, deep grief. I'm out of that survival mode. And now I'm kind of in this mode of like, what do I want to do with this? I'm very much in exploration and figuring out how I want to live my life, how I want to memorialize his um, memory and our relationship. Um, but also like moving forward and experiencing life because I can't sit and, and I will always be grieving him, but I can't sit in that deep grief and that dark, dark, dark place anymore. I'm looking for light. That's why we're building serotonin quarters everywhere in our life right now. I really like that imagery of uh, looking for light because, yeah, it's like you got to find it wherever you can, right? And it probably changes day to day what you find comfort in. Exactly. And you never know because the way grief works is it hits you in waves. Like you'll be totally, totally fine. And then it will hit you in a wave and you're like, holy crap, where did that come from? And my talking to my therapist, we call them sneaker waves and they just come out of nowhere and you're like, oh, dang it. And then you have to like reorient yourself and figure out where the light source is and, and work your way closer to that. And every day it's this battle, it's this thing, but it's also, I don't want to say beautiful because that, but it's also this very human experience. And, um, there's been a lot of very dark things, but there's also been a lot of, I guess, beauty in it too, as I've explored relationships with people, as I've, um, used it just um, in my own creativity, as I, as I have memorialized Alex and moved through it, it's been a really beautiful human experience. 
It made me think of um, on our couple podcast episodes ago, we had a, a girl, Hillary, talk about grief. And she said that grief is not linear. And so I think often people think like, okay, it's been three weeks. You should be past that or whatever. So it's interesting to hear you say like, you know, there was a four month process of like a deep grief for you, but you're still grieving. Like it comes in waves and, it, you know, you experience it differently at different levels and in different intensities. Like, and I think that's really important with grief is like, even with myself, like if I'm having like some type of grieving process for something, I'm like, okay, I got to wallow and then get over it. But then yeah. when it comes back, I'm like, why am I still <laughs> dealing with this? But it's like you said, it's human. Like it's very human. It is so human. And, and it's just the most, I say my, my experience with Alex from start to finish is the most human experience I've ever, 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 ever had. It's had the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. And I see, it's been really cool to see how that has implemented, like, not just his death, but his life and our relationship and how, how that has um, influenced my life going forward and how um, I can see kind of where it's taking shape and how it's influencing me. Um, and yeah, and grief is not linear at all. I think, um, you know, we talk about the different stages of grief. I think it's like the five stages of grief and um, I have never identified with any of that because it's like, I actually don't even know what they are, but I remember reading something the way I handled it right after Alex passed, I dove into anything and everything I could read about grief just because I, I needed, I had experienced loss and grief in my life, but I had never experienced something so deep. And I, so I didn't have the words to explain what I was going through. It was very physical. It was very, um, I was nauseous. It was very, this, it was, and I couldn't find anything that I was reading that was relatable to my experience. And it was, that was something that was really, really hard because I felt so alone in it, but like literally for four weeks, I couldn't hold down food. I was just throwing up all the time. And I was like, am I, what's going on? And then I finally found something that mentioned that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, I don't want to say normal because grieving isn't normal. And what I've experienced shouldn't be the normal, but I could find somebody that could relate to me. Anyway, I, I dove into this big, huge research project. Like it's almost like a project and I'm still in it, but, um, uh, reading those stages. And I was just like, this, this isn't me. This isn't how I'm dealing with it. And it works for some people and it doesn't work with other people. And that's been really interesting is I've experienced grief and um, reached out. I have a girlfriend who lost her husband at a young, young age, um, from, um, cancer and talking to her, her grieving process is very different than mine, but I'll like, I texted her the other day and I was just like, Hey, like I'm experiencing this. Did you experience that? And she's like, no, but I'm in this widow's Facebook group. And I've a lot of people talk about that. And so it's been really interesting to see how different people grieve and that's very very different for lots of different people and one thing is interesting too is that like I went back to work right away I went I was off for two days and I went right back to work and so many people were like I can't believe you're here I can't believe you're here and I was like I needed to go back to work right away I was not 100% I was crying all the time I was finding pockets and going and sobbing luckily I have the most amazing workplace I have a couch in my office and I would just lay on my couch and cry. But, um, I, that was the right answer for me. And somebody said, told me, and they're like, I can't believe you're here. And I said, there's no, there's no, um, there's no playbook for this. There's no 
there's no instruction manual on how to do this. You don't go to high school and learn, you learn how to do algebra. You don't learn how to grieve. I remember Googling how to grieve because everyone was like, was like, you need to grieve. And I was like, I don't know how to. <laughs> and coming at from a, like, as from a Christian background, it's also, I think as Christians, we're really bad at grieving. We don't understand we try to move towards the light. We try to move through and get to the happy feelings as fast as possible. And there is beauty in that, but also you need to sit with the sad. Sometimes some things can just be sad and just be hard and just be a little miserable. And like, I don't, I mean, the religious side of it is like, Jesus did that. Like he sat and mourned with people and he did that. And so, um, through my lens of my faith that like, that's been really important is sitting with the grief and letting it work through because that it, the grief means that Alex and I had a relationship, but there was love that means that it was something. Mm-hmm. And if we just say like, Oh, he's in a better place or like he was in so much pain that negates what we did have. Yeah, for sure. That's, I, I think it's important to mention those um five stages of grief because everyone I've talked to has been like if you like maybe because it's a it's a bunch of feelings it's like anger denial all that yeah and it's like yeah yeah and I think you feel all those but it's not like you feel one and then you feel another one and then you like graduate through it it definitely it's like you cycle through them over and over in different ways and uh yeah it just well, and the one thing I hate about them because it makes it feel like, oh, I'll work through these five and, and then I'll be done grieving. I don't think I will ever be done grieving, Alex. I think the grief will change and I've mm-hmm. seen it change within me just in these last four months. But um, I don't think you're ever done grieving something. I don't think like I, it's funny, yeah. I was driving home the other day and I lost my grandma during COVID and I, it just hit me how much I missed her in that moment. And it's like, I hadn't thought about her in a while. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. That was three years later. That was part of me. Alex is going to be part of me for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And that's really beautiful. Um, and I get to take what he learned and what I, what we learned together and, and shape it into something cool and bring it to my next relationship, bring it to my future, you know, future relationships, my future family, my, my own friends and family right now. It's, I get to decide how I want to live with this grief. Yeah, that's really, it's really smart. <laughs> I don't like. If, it's uh, I've been going to a lot of therapy, and uh, I have an art therapist and a normal therapist, and we've talked a lot about doing things my way and figuring mm-hmm. out to how to grieve and how to do this my way. How do I memorialize him my way? And so, um, our Alex and I's birthdays are one day apart. We're um, mine's the ninth or. His is the 18th and mine's the 19th. And so, you know what I did? And he would have hated this, but guess what? He's not here to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So me and my um, cousins and a couple of girlfriends and my sisters and my brother, we flew to San Francisco and we rented an Airbnb on the beach and we went to his grave the day of um, his birthday and we threw a birthday party and I had a bubble machine and we had Martinelli's and we had, um, I had some friends in the area come and bring their kids. And we climbed in a tree and literally hung a pinata above his grave. And we had a pinata full of like ridiculous things. And then we went and ate tacos and had a birthday cake and was saying happy birthday. And the birthday cake said, happy birthday, LJ. 
RIP Alex. And like some people would see that being really, being like, that's so disrespectful. But you know what? That was respect for me. I got to decide how I memorialized our birthdays. And that's what felt right because that felt like a huge slice of me in it. And like I said, he's not here to make that decision anymore. So I can't, I, I, it's my choice how I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, regardless, it's your choice, right? Like you get to, you get to choose. This makes me even more excited that you're going to see Lizzo tonight. Cause I'm like, (laughs) I feel like this is very Lizzo vibes, do things your way or she would approve. Yeah, she she would would like, like it was absurd that we had eight year olds running around getting candy, but grief is absurd. Mm -hmm. And so we felt our feelings. We ate some cake and went and got a big bean and cheese burrito afterwards. And it just felt appropriate to mm-hmm. celebrate our relationship and celebrate us, celebrate me and my birthday. Like I didn't want to get lost in just that. And so it was really kind of beautiful is that we got to do it the way we wanted to do it. You said something earlier that reminded me of, um, like a meme picture or something that I saw last night actually where it talks about like you will always grieve and like the grief doesn't necessarily become smaller but your capacity to like tolerate it and work with it becomes bigger so like when it first happens it's like they showed like a pictures of like a heart in a jar yeah at first like the grief was like so big it was taking over the jar but then eventually the jar grows yeah and I uh, what are your thoughts on that as far as I that? so I when I, I saw that very someone sent it to me very quickly after Alex passed and I was like this is a bunch of bullshit I was <laughs> like, there's no way because I was incapacitated like one time like two days after right after he passed my family like came to my side my cousin was at my side my sisters drove down like I was not alone for one minute for like the whole month after he passed and it was really beautiful and um but we had driven to Cafe Rio and we were going to go get lunch. And I just was sitting in the front seat and I was like, I do not physically have the energy to walk from the car to inside the restaurant. I just don't have the energy. I can't do it. And I just remember sitting there. I was like, I can't, I, this is going to be my life for forever. I'm going to be incapacitated by this. I can't move. Like it ached deep in my bones. Um, and I was just like, this is my life this is what it's going to be. And you know, what was really interesting is, um, Alex's funeral, um, just because there was some complications and people got COVID and, and there was lots of things going on. Alex's funeral was six weeks after his passing. And so, um, I carried this very, very heavy, 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 heavy grief, this heavy weight on my shoulders. And I could feel my grief change immediately after the funeral. It was like, this weight had been lifted from my shoulders. And it was so I, um, that night I, my mom and I were the only ones who went to the funeral of my friends and family. Um, it was a very, very small, intimate gathering. It was very beautiful. But, um, that night I FaceTimed two of my girlfriends and they both were like, you look different. And I could feel it like physically had changed. The grief had changed. And I'm not saying I, sometimes I still end up in that very, very physical, I'm incapacitated by it but I've had seen it change and I've seen it. um, It's become physically lighter through kind of just going through the motions of it. And it still hits very heavy sometimes when like there's triggering things or things come up and and it hits you hard. But 
over, I've seen the kind of, you know, it's going like this, but it's an upward trajectory. Yes. For those listening, it goes up and down, but yeah. upward, but always <laughs> upwards, upwards. Like the stock, like the stock market or like yeah. they, they say the stock market goes. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, okay. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I, it's so, because so many people like this is my grief experience other people have very different grief experiences but I think that's mine it literally felt like a ton off my shoulders immediately after his funeral what I'd be interested to hear what some some good things that people said to you as you're grieving but also some things that were had good intentions but actually weren't helpful do you want my yes. favorite story that I'm yes. so thrilled that this happened to me? <laughs> it happened at his funeral. So his funeral was a very, very intimate experience. I knew I hadn't met everyone, but I had heard everyone's names. It was really beautiful. Lots of beautiful tributes. And there was one woman sitting in the back that I, she just fell out of place. She didn't feel like she had a group anywhere. And, you know, like, cool. So after the funeral, we all went over to someone's house to have dinner and we're sitting there. And, um, I, I didn't know a lot of, I, I wasn't really well connected to Alex's community. So my mom and I spent most of the time by ourselves, but it was like a very beautiful experience. It was over the ocean. It was incredible. This woman comes up to me and she, I was wearing a dress from Everlane and she's like, it takes an Everlane baddie to know one. And I was like, cool. Like I get her. She's great. So like everyone's one of my favorite brands. She started talking to me and she pulled up these pictures she had of Alex that were just like really sweet. And she told me a sweet memory about him coming to a party she threw. It was very, very precious. And she's like showing me pictures. And I'm like, oh, cool. And conversation was kind of wrapping, like slowing down. And I was like, okay, we're done. And she leans over and she's like, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, mm, okay, what are you going to tell me? And she goes, Alex and I had an intimate weekend together. And I was like, oh, okay. She goes, it was a long time ago and it didn't mean anything. And I was like, cool. It gets better. <laughs> She goes, he was a generous lover. What? <gasps> wow. So, um, I have loved that. It was very shocking. I actually had got hats made for my birthday weekend, our birthday weekend. They were bright pink and they said generous lover on them. <laughs> and a group of 15 of us wore them around San Francisco and had a great time. We had some extras that people like who saw them, loved them. We gave them to people. It was Amazing. Really fun. But it was like taking her story and then making it about us. <laughs> Being mm -hmm. like, I always say like the biggest thing I've learned from this is it's the most human thing, but it's just to love big. And like, I did nothing wrong by loving Alex. That's the only thing I did. That's I made a choice to love this person. And so it's almost become this motto to like love generous. And I just like, that is an absurd thing. Like at my brother's wedding, my brother got married 10 days after Alex passed. And that was extremely difficult for me. This woman comes up to me and she goes, like, I know what you're going through because of our dog family dog died the same day Alex did I was like oh. no you don't this is awful um no. I was at church once and somebody came up to me and was like um someone came up to me and goes you know I wish I would have known what he was going through because I went to an all plant-based diet and it really helped my depression and anxiety oh. and I was like do you want me to go tell his ashes buried in the ground to eat more some eat some more broccoli and bring them back? <laughs> like, oh my gosh! It's the, and so I have 
kind of dealt with it with the absurdity of it the things that people say to me just by by laughing about it like it's absurd there are like somebody um a lot of people will say like you know, it was bound to happen and that just makes me really upset just and then a lot of people will say um Yikes. they'll tell me that I dodged a bullet and that I hate nothing more than that first of all luckily that had nothing to do with his method of suicide but oh god yeah let's not use that phrase also that means that everything we did have means nothing and like yes it's tragic it's tragic we didn't get to build a future together that we had planned but I also learned a lot and I have become a better person I've become a better partner I've become this I've become more creative I've become more expressive with my emotions because of everything I learned being with him and that is a gift and and saying I dodged a bullet means that I would never have gotten to experience those things so you're better off like that's like a huge assumption that like that exactly so bad And, and I will always call my sister my sister is younger than me but she's very wise and I'll be like can you believe what these people are telling me and she goes they are telling you that because they want to they want to say something and they don't know what to say mm-hmm. and there's a huge difference I've noticed this somebody who's ex- experienced huge loss versus somebody who has you know hasn't experienced this deep grief and their response um and so I've had to choose to be gracious with those people and it's been hard for me because um it's just hard you're just like, no, that's the wrong thing to say. But um, just, you have to choose. I've had to choose to be graceful and be kind in their response because they're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. How but, are you able to react in the moment? Because it's like easy, like afterwards to look back on it and be like, okay, I can see what they were trying to say. And, you know, like I can see, like, but in the moment when some, when you're like face to face with somebody and they say something like that, like, how do you, how do you, how do you react? I don't know. I think a lot of it, I just have like a shock. Like I just, I go into a shock a little bit and I just kind of excuse myself. And then I take a step back. I go to my, my car has become my safety place as I can go there to process my feelings or I'll call my, my, I'll call my sister just to help talk through it because, um, uh, there's so much that you kind of just, you go into shock about it and and afterwards you're able to process it and like of course I wish could I could be snappy and be like oh cool like let me go be like Alex need more broccoli or like your dog has nothing on Alex you know what I mean like cool you're gonna were you gonna marry your dog do you have a wedding dress for your dog hanging in your closet no you don't Mm -hmm. but um a lot of it is just taking a step back and and um I think too is understanding that people have intentions to be kind and they want to support you. They just, like I said, we don't talk about grief enough. So we don't know how to support somebody who's going through grief. Yeah. And I think it is that like wanting to make it okay. Yeah. And it's just not like when you're grieving, it's things are not okay. And they I have to had just... to catch myself. So many, so many people will come and be like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I, and you, my, my gut is to say, it's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. That mm-hmm. is a 33 year old. I'm having to learn how to deal with, um, my dead boyfriend's 401k plan. I had to help his mom hack into his phone. Like 
I had to hear the the police officer tell his mom what happened. That's not okay. None of this is okay. But mm-hmm. I will be okay um, as I move through this. And so um, I just there's not there's not a playbook for any of this. What have you found that's been helpful? Like you said, you're finding like little, the moments of light, but has there been like advice from people or yeah. things like that? Um, first thing, the best thing I've read it, well, I found a couple things, some very practical and some more kind of higher level. Um, I read this book, I forget who's written by, by, it's called Grief is Love. It was the first thing that I read that made me really kind of reflect and, and understand what I was feeling. It was the first thing I read that made me really kind of, um, made me feel seen in my grief because I don't think people understood um, why I was grieving so deeply and why it was so painful. And then I read this and I was like, it's, it's all this love that has nowhere to go now. And so that made me feel really seen. Um, oh man, I'm just crying. <laughs> um, what else has been helpful? Um, I found a very specific Reddit uh, Reddit thread called suicide bereavement. That's been incredible. I'm not a Reddit person. I had never really dived into it, but they're not a lot of resources for, they call them suicide survivors. I don't really like that, but like people bereaving or in suicide bereavement, it's a very, very specific kind of grief. It's so hard because as people are looking and, and it's happened so fast, you have no control of it. And it also, um, um, you have no answers. You have no answers whatsoever. And that's the hardest thing. Um, so this group, but there's like a sub thing about it of, um, of, uh, just kind of people in my similar, very similar situation, young boyfriends. Um, and, and being, it's just seeing my story reflected in people sharing has been incredible. Um, one thing I've turned to is creativity to process everything. That's been incredible. I've started going to art therapy. Um, I spent a lot of time just like arts and craftings, like collages or like doing things because it's, it gives your mind something to do, but it also lets it wander. Um, I started an Instagram account where I've been documenting my experience and that's been, I'm a writer at my heart. Um, and I have, um, I tell stories on social media at my job. And so it like, if one day I was like this, I was writing my journal and I was just screaming into the void and I hated the way it felt because I was like, no one is getting this. No one is getting this one thing too. in all of this, I had just, I, I'm new to the area. So I don't have a large community. My community is not physically with me. They're in California or Michigan and just kind of all around. Um, I don't have a big community here in Utah. And so I, I was feeling people wanted to support me, didn't know how. And so it's constantly on the phone to constantly talking to people. But by creating this Instagram account, I got to be very public with what I was going through. And that has helped me build a grieving community around me. And so people can see the ups and downs from afar and they can reach out. And, and I think reaching out via DMs is a lot easier than texting or calling. So that's been a really beautiful thing that I've done. Um, what else? going into my car and just yelling, this sucks really, really (laughs) loud has been amazing. Also just, you know what I repeat all day, every day in my head, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that has become my mantra. It's going to be okay. Um, what else just, just, and then just letting myself cry, letting myself cry and grieve. 
And um, that's been so important. It's been so, so important. Um, yeah. And then like things that people have done for me, I think the most important thing, friends will ask what they can do. And I say, whenever you think of me, just shoot me a text, just shoot me a text and just be like, Hey, thinking about you doesn't have to be anything profound. Doesn't have to be anything deep and don't expect a response. Cause it's overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. And sometimes I just shut down and I can't do things that, um, that's been super, super helpful. Um, one thing too is, I don't know, I'm at this stage in my life where I don't need people to bring me meals or anything like that. Like I, for a long time and I'm just coming out of this, like I could eat like four foods. It was quesadillas, chicken nuggets. And like, I turned into a mm-hmm. child again, but I, I needed control of what I was eating and stuff. And so I didn't want anyone to do that, but a friend showed up and stocked my fridge with a case of water and I'm a big diet Coke person and some protein drinks. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like the most, um, kind, thoughtful thing that anyone could do was doing that. Somebody sent me, um, this sleep aid, like this sleep, it was like a supplement and I didn't know I needed it, but I needed it. And, um, that's been really beautiful. Just showing up with like the practical things. I had, um, a friend come over to help me figure out what I was wearing to the funeral. And then I had another friend come over and pick it up and take it to the dry cleaners. Like the very physical things of it has been incredible. And I had, um, I had one thing too, is like, I've had my cousin made me a quilt. I've someone got me some blankets, just like I've spent a lot of time in bed and just having that cozy something has been incredible. Somebody else sent me a, um, a hot water bottle with like this furry cover on it. And I love it. I just like snuggle with it, but just like my very physical needs, having those taken care of has been amazing. But even more than that, it's, um, just letting people know that they're thinking about me and that they love me and then not expecting anything in return. Mm. That's a, that's a good list. (laughs) I definitely, I'm like protein drinks and any like liquid vitamins of any kind. That's what gets me through. Like, yeah. Like the physical um, toll grief or depression takes. That's what's like, um, what's it called? surprised me the most is just how physical this has been and it's like I I've never been a good athlete but I've always been like very um I've always prided myself on my stamina and being able to like oh we're gonna do a bajillion miles on a hike I got this I'm gonna be slow but I'm gonna do this my stamina has just been zapped absolutely zapped and so um we're slowly rebuilding we're slowly getting there but just the, the like it is incredible the physical toll that is taken on my body. It's amazing, like even hearing you talk, because it's like, this is something that is still very fresh, still very deep. And you just have this like intelligence and calm about you. That's really, you know, like you said, it's not always like that either. Like, no, it's not, it's, this is becoming more than normal. I think there's two things that have helped that it's been writing. It's been, it's been, that's been so good for me to process my feelings is just writing. And then I think I was talking to you, um, my art therapist about this. And she was like, I've, I've had a relationship with therapy for the last 15 years of my life. And she's like, this is showing up and how you've responded to this. And I'm so grateful. I've built that foundation of therapy. And it was like, after Alex passed, art therapy is a new, new kind of avenue of exploring, but, um, 
after Alex passed, the second phone call I made was to my therapist. I called my mom and I called my therapist and I was able, I, we talked briefly. I was too overwhelmed. I couldn't have a session right then. The next day I was on FaceTime with her. And so the fact that I had this relationship as an adult, it wasn't anything new to me. And so I feel really lucky that I had learned a lot of coping skills. I'd never dealt with this before, but I, I knew the language. I knew some of the CBD or CBT um, kind of techniques. And, and I was open to, I knew that I was, therapy was going to be such a key part of this. And two, I've had an on and off relationship with, um, with medication and uh, my, I, despite, and I don't love being medicated. I don't, it's not my favorite thing. But um, the kind of when it started happening, my therapist is like, you need to go see your primary care doctor and get on an anti-nausea pill. And um, you need to, you need to explore getting back on your antidepressants. And I think that has helped immensely um, doing that. Just knowing that I've, I've built this foundation for, for something to happen and something did happen, something very tragic, something very different than we all thought. A year ago, if you said this was going to be my life, I'd be like, you're freaking kidding me. I'm going to be living in Salt Lake. I'm going to have a dead boyfriend. I'm going to, you know, be a creative director doing what I'm doing. I'm going to have all these other things. I'm going to have my car stolen all within this last year. I'm going to be like, you're, you're crazy, but here we are. And here we are still standing. And that's the real miracle of all of this. It's not anything else. It's like, as humans, we have the capacity to get through this. Yes. Yeah. Go to therapy before you need it. I feel like that's what they always say. Exactly. Because it is a hard, it's hard enough to start therapy in normal times or it can be hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you were talking about, because I knew already that your car had gotten stolen. So when you were talking about your car being your safe space, I was like, oh no. I think you kept saying how grateful you were for your car, but how, how long yeah. it got stolen? How it got long? stolen on the three month anniversary of Alex's passing. Um, I just got... I don't even have my car back. I, anyway, it's a long story. Um, and I had a really, that was a grieving process, losing my car. Part of it too is, um, I had all of my things from Alex in the car because I didn't want them in my house. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with them. And I lost all of it when I got stolen. So I, I didn't have a choice of what I was going to do with the physical things. That was, that choice was taken from me. And I had this realization why it was so hard for me. It's, I have spent the last, it's been four months now, last four months of my life, um, people have made choices and I have been acted upon. Alex made a choice and I've had to deal with the fallout of it. Someone made a choice to steal my car. I have dealt, I've had to deal with the fallout of it. And it's a really, really annoying. And I've lost this sense of control in my life. And so um, I don't know what to do with that, but we're, we're working through that. That's been like one of the hardest things is I think because I had lost Alex and then it seems so dumb to be like, I lost my car, but <laughs> that's um, a big thing. it was, you know what I mean? It was just like one of those things. It's like, it's a thing. It can be replaced, whatever, but it was like the loss of control and all of this has been super, super hard. Um, and um, seeing other, anyway, it's been really, really hard and, and having to deal with other people's choices. It's but that's what life is. Like I said, I keep coming back to the, this is just a human experience. Yeah, the lack of control. I feel like we all struggle with. <laughs> we all want more of it. The Virgo and yeah. the Virgo, Virgo. sister wants all the control, but she doesn't have any of it. 
it's a it's a creative director thing too and I'm just <laughs> but kind of it really is um tell us a little bit about art therapy because I have not super like you know I think we all like have like artistic hobbies that we do but yeah. what's a, what's like a structured art therapy like so my art therapist, she's incredible. She's fantastic. There's, um, she, she leaves it very open to me. She leaves it very, very open to me. A lot of it, I, I am not, um, despite being creative director, I'm not very like, I don't have fine art skills, so I can't sit there and paint or do anything. We do a lot of collaging, um, which is really cool. And I, the cool thing is that again, it goes back to this idea of like, I'll be sitting there flipping through magazines and we'll be talking about my week. We'll be talking about my feelings and I'll just kind of start tearing things out. It's like giving my mind something to do. Mm -hmm. And then my brain is able to make these connections. It's not able to make in quote, not, I don't want to say real therapy, but my normal therapy sessions, because it's, it's focused on the problem, not focused on like flipping through. And so just kind of cut things out and, and make something, um, one really beautiful session we had, I had a copy of, um, his suicide note and I brought that in and I had a physical copy of it and I didn't, didn't want it. I didn't want to keep it. Um, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so I brought it in, um, and there's a beautiful line in it. And he talks about hope and he thanks me for giving him hope the last year of his life. And, uh, that's what I held on to from that. And so we made this whole beautiful art piece about hope, um, which helped me in turn process what else is written in that note um this last week we took um we took taylor swift lyrics we kind of like we're talking because taylor swift means a lot to me mm-hmm. we took lyrics from her um her last album and we talked about how they applied to my life and i made like different collages and like i don't know how familiar anyone is but one of the songs that really stuck out to me is like snow on the beach and there's a line that she repeats multiple times she's like it's like snow on the beach weird but fucking beautiful and I rewrote and I I I immediately was drawn to that line I was like this situation oh there's a fly on me um the situation that I'm ear ear in is is weird but fucking beautiful and I and I switched it around and I said fucking weird but beautiful because like we talk about it like this is a human experience and it is the weirdest most effed up situation I've ever been in but there's there's been some beauty in it and so I it's been cool um processing and finding that beauty as I create things and I think part of it it's been so meaningful and and um deep to me is because I am a creative director I I creativity is an expression of your feelings and you put something of yourself in everything I make rather it be just like a social post for something for a client to something I'm writing to something, a collage I'm making to like an arts and crafts project um, is really, really cool. And um, been really satisfying and beautiful to me. Another, like another um, kind of method that we do is um, well, she has, we have like these cards with like emotions on them and, and they're like these beautiful illustrations and I'll just kind of, it's like a deck of cards and I'll just flip through it and be like, oh, this is the emotion I'm feeling. And then we'll look at the illustration and talk about it. And so it's just like, you have a tangible thing to talk about what you're feeling and experiencing. And so at the end of each session, um, Melissa will take my piece and they're not, they're not good. None of this (laughs) is good. None of this is going to end up in the MoMA. she'll hold it up and she'll be like, okay, this is what I noticed. Like, um, that piece we're talking about, like weird, but when I, I took the lyrics, I cut them all up and I wrote the word beautiful. And it was like kind of camouflaged into the background. 
she's like, look, the beauty is there, but you have to look for it. And I didn't even realize that as I was creating it. Um, and so it's cool to get that extra set of eyes on that experience. So, um, yeah, it's been this huge, um, huge just expression and, and really kind of digging deep. I think my, my very first session with her, she's like, this is a traumatic experience, but we're catching it early enough and we're going to do the work. So this isn't going to register in your brain as a trauma for the rest of your experience, rest of your life. And she's, and, and my, my, both my therapist and my art therapist work together. And so it's really cool because they kind of collaborate and help me work through things. Um, along with my, um, primary care doctor, like it's been cool. I have this amazing team of women that are all here supporting me, um, kind of getting me through this from a very professional standpoint. Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, they've helped me kind of move through it and move through it graciously and let me feel my feelings and cry my tears and get emergency sessions when I need to, like, it's been incredible that I have that team of women standing up and, and working for me it's really cool yeah I like some of that stuff about stuff just comes out with art and probably ways it wouldn't otherwise yeah it definitely does and you know what is interesting is like I immediately turned like the automatic thing is like okay you're going to you're you're dealing you're a, you're dealing with suicide bereavement let's go to a suicide bereavement group let's go to a grief group and I talked to my, my therapist about that. And she's like, no, my situation is really weird with Alex because they're, um, it's a whole backstory, but, and she was like, this isn't going to be helpful for you. And it is so helpful for so many people, but your situation is so weird and so strange with Alex. You need to do something different. Going to one of these groups is not going to be helpful to you. And she's like, they might be further down the line and maybe in a year or two, I will go and it will be great. But, um, our therapy has been that for me. It's really kind of exploring this in a very physical way um, to kind of, I think part of the hard thing about suicide is again, you're not, you don't have answers and you need to express all of these feelings that are going on in your head some way in a very tangible place. And like, I have everything I've made in art therapy hanging on my fridge and it's just like, oh, this is what this means. And it's nice just as I'm like sitting there making dinner or something just to see it and be like, oh yeah that's what I'm feeling. Like assign something to these feelings. Cause they're so big and so all consuming. And then by making it, you almost get to let go of it. Mm. Not forever, but it like, it just like lets the, it just pours the tap off. So you're not overflowing all the time. And then we're just pouring a little bit off each time. And so we're overflowing less and less, which has been really beautiful. That's a really good analogy. The stop the overflow. So like, that's like what you're working with, especially in the first few stages of yeah I like that I like that analogy a lot okay well we don't want to make you late for Lizzo (laughs) did you have another question Grace or no I uh, just you know as we end all of our podcast episodes we always ask what is something that you wish people knew and it could be about grief or it could be about just any you know good old life hacks yeah life hacks life advice from LJ uh like the biggest thing I've learned in all of this is to love big, just love people. And, um, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. And that's what I did with Alex. That's what Alex did with me. That's what I get to do to continue on. And I don't have to hold back. No one has to hold their love back. We get to love big and it is privileged to love and it is privileged to make relationships. So just 
love everyone. It's been so cool to see. I'm really tight with all my siblings. There's, um, there's seven of us total. And to see since Alex has passed is like, everyone is so much more free flowing with their love. My little 21 year old brother will call me just to say that he loves me. And like, how precious is that? He should be in yeah. college, like <laughs> doing homework and, you know, doing whatever 21 year old boys do in college, but he'll call <laughs> me to tell me that he loves me. And that is such a beautiful thing. So just love as big as possible. Good advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Like, I know you had to be really vulnerable to come on here and share that with us. So thank you so much. Um, I think a lot of people are going to relate to this in different ways and appreciate you sharing your story here and also just like how open you've been with it this whole time. So, oh, well, it's a privilege to share. Thank you for giving me a platform and everyone go love big. Do you want to share your Instagram where you have more thoughts about grief and now? Yeah. So I, like I said, I have explored my grief journey on Instagram. Um, my handle is life.afteralex. And I just share things as they come up, the absurd, the funny, as I've started kind of dating again, like the absurdity of that. And um, uh the feelings, the day-to-day, -day, the hope, the sad, the sorrow, and, and just kind of in the hopes it helps me process in the hopes to help anyone else who finds it to see kind of the, to see the timeline and see, see what it looks like, because I, I, that was something I craved that I wasn't able to find anywhere. So if you want a beautifully tragic story to play out on your Instagram feed, join, come on over. <laughs> Yeah, I think I have really enjoyed following it because, yeah, like you're saying, I like it knowing you because then I can like, you know, be like, okay, she's still, she's still <laughs> writing. She's still, feel, you know, doing it okay, as okay as you can be. And, but also I think it's such, yeah, even people who don't know you will get so much from it because of it just showing the day to day and the back and forths and the ups and downs and yeah. all of that so thank you for sure yeah being willing to share that and also tell lizzo we say hi 